Welcome to Health Pulse Podcast. My name is Connor Delaney. I'm CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic Florida. Today's episode is New Year, New Trends. 2021 is going to be a year for innovation and growth in healthcare, driven dramatically by our experiences with COVID-19 and the pandemic and the speed of change we've had to had to live through to manage the last nine or 10 months. So we're going to be exploring the impact of digital technology today on the future of medicine and healthcare and thinking from a patient perspective and how that affects virtual visits. So I'm delighted to say that my special guest this morning is Dr. Stephen Shook. He's from the Neurological Institute at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. Steve is currently Vice Chair of Operations and he's the lead for the enterprise for virtual health. That's such a big thing for Cleveland Clinic as an enterprise. So this is a specific role designed around virtual health. He joined Cleveland Clinic as a staff neurologist in 2007. He's an inpatient neurology service physician. He teaches at Cleveland Clinic Learner and lectures widely nationally and internationally. Most recently, he's partnered with our information technology team and he's led the chief of staff offices rollout of COVID-19 distance health transformation. And this has really helped us as we've tried to provide uninterrupted patient access and minimize disruptions to healthcare. The team also developed the digital health playbook and this drew widespread attention across the country and specifically attention from the White House as a way of us improving how we provide virtual healthcare. So Steve, thank you very much for being with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to educate us in this space. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, look, so telehealth, it's become really a vital component uh, of the current healthcare landscape, pushed obviously by the pandemic. Um, so maybe you talk a little bit about that. Obviously, some groups have had experience with it for longer than others, but this has really driven change. So. Where are we and, and what's happening in the space? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, again, thanks for inviting me. You know, the Cleveland Clinic has been in uh, telehealth and uh, virtual health for, for several years. I mean, we really go, it goes back to 2013, 2014. And our earliest offerings were in virtual urgent care. And that was an area where we developed a lot of expertise. Not only did we uh, provide an excellence uh, of service, I would say, and a great patient experience, but we really built the whole program around uh, evidence-based care. Um, so we really put together a program that when patients would call with uh, specific symptoms or problems, they knew they were getting Cleveland Clinic, you know, quality care every time they called. And we looked to really expand our experience in that urgent care to include scheduled virtual visits. Uh, and because of our strength in subspecialty care, um, we looked to some of our institutes to really lead the charge there. And very exciting offerings that we had prior to COVID. Uh, specifically, I know we're going to talk a little bit about my institute, which is the Neurological Institute, but also across the entire Cleveland Clinic enterprise in uh, orthopedics, uh, in our what we call 4C, which is our primary care area, uh, in the, the Digestive Diseases Institute, where you're from. Uh, really many, many great offerings. But all of that being said, when you look at the percentage of our care that was offered virtually prior to COVID, it was less than 1%. So very, very small amount, which is typical for uh, tertiary care centers like the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, absolutely. So our experience was much like that, Steve. We um, I used to use it from patients from out of town. 
see their first visit, but often some of the things we do, we have to do a physical examination. So you have to build that in and factor it in. And then particularly it was useful for post-operative care and um, for certain conditions. But we saw with the pandemic, it went up to over 80% of our patients being seen virtually. And now it's dropped down to about 25%. So, so where, where do you see that being? And obviously it's specialty dependent and even diagnosis dependent within specialties. But wh- where do you see the future of this? How far will it go? Well, you're, 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 you're exactly right. And, and, you know, when the pandemic hit, we found that we were able to do things that a lot of times we, we weren't sure would work virtually, but we've learned that we can do a lot more than, than we thought. Uh, we've really innovated in some of the virtual exam techniques we're offering, and we're seeing a lot of really interesting things on the horizon in uh, connectivity on the patient end to allow us to do more physical exam. For example, listening to the heart virtually, you know, collecting heart electrical data virtually for patients in their homes. There's going to be an explosion here, I think, in, in kind of Bluetooth-enabled devices that will allow patients to transmit information to us both real-time and in-between virtual visits. But your question is a question that a lot of people are asking. What percentage or what portion of our care will be virtual looking into the future? And in 2021, as a whole, the organization is estimating it's going to be about 20%. But you're absolutely right when you say that that number is not going to be across the board. There are going to be some uh, areas within the Cleveland Clinic where we do a lot more than that. For example, in uh, our primary care areas, we're probably going to be doing more. And there are going to be some areas where we're probably going to be doing a lot less, at least in the near future. So we've worked with our institutes to let them set their own targets, to tell us where they think their greatest opportunities are to best serve patients, both inpatient and virtually. We're looking to partner with them to develop care models, new care models that integrate the best of both worlds to provide the best possible patient experience and of course, the best possible health outcomes. That's really what the Cleveland Clinic's all about. Yeah, I think that's absolutely what, what we're about at the clinic, but it's such an opportunity, I think, for patients. No driving, no parking, no flying. There's so many, so many things that can just make it easier for them. So maybe you could make it um, real for some patients who may not be as familiar with this and talk about some of the experiences in the Neurological Institute and some of the situations you use it for that work well and some of the technology that's been developed around it, because that will give people ideas about how far this might go. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to urgent and emergency care, our telestroke program within the Neurological Institute really is uh, probably one of the most cutting edge programs that we have. It allows us to really use the expertise of our Cleveland Clinic vascular neurology area and extend out into emergency departments well beyond our typical footprint. So we're able to provide real-time stroke assessments uh, and direct care for patients and help determine which of those patients need to come to us immediately to ensure the best possible outcome in the setting of, of stroke. Um, we've done some similar things uh, in our neurological ICU for other types of urgent neurological care. Um, but on the ambulatory end of things, um, we've used it in our epilepsy area. A lot of our patients who have stable epilepsy, for example, really don't need to have a regular physical exam on every single visit, but they do need the opportunity to have a conversation about medication side effects, concerns, maybe potential for, you know, concerns about, you know, whether or not their condition might be inherited. But general education is is really an excellent thing to do 
virtually. Patients who don't have access to transportation, for example, or who have work requirements that prevent them from taking time off, if they can find a private place to go in their home or at their workplace or really anywhere with Wi-Fi access or they have a cellular enabled, uh, enabled device, they can have a really excellent interaction with their with their provider and really start to work toward, again, that, that health outcome that we're looking for, that perfect health outcome. Uh, so we've done that uh, very well in epilepsy. Also in our headache area, we've done uh, a lot with uh, follow-ups for patients, having them maintain headache diaries, which allows us to gather information from patients in between their visits so that we can actually intervene when we see headache frequency increasing. We can intervene before the patient even schedules a headache appointment with us. And really that's what we're looking to do across the board at the Cleveland Clinic, is to be able to have that information flowing into, into the Cleveland Clinic so that we can be proactive and help patients manage their outcomes between visits before they even require an appointment or, uh, or even more concerningly require a visit to the emergency department or admission to the hospital. Yeah, I think that's part of the exciting uh, sphere of this is that we can do new things with this. We can do new things. And I think the other the other side of the pandemic has been that we've all done so much virtually, whether it's phoning family with video calls, for me, family in Ireland, um, you know, we've all meetings, conferences, we're all doing it. And for people at home and for patients, it's become more familiar as well. So I think that's gonna really help us with this transition. So we're about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we've done really well with this as an organization, proud of the clinic for many reasons, but this is one of them. And the digital health playbook that you and, and the team put together um, was a, a demonstration of that. How do you think we've been able to do this? Because I know it's been challenging for other organizations. How, how, how can they learn? How can we help them? Um, you know, what are the key things that we've been able to, to use to do this well? Well, I'll tell you, I, I think one of the things that's uh, unique about the Cleveland Clinic is that we really embrace that team of teams approach. So we were able to move a lot more quickly to develop our best practices, I think, because we as leaders have been empowered to make those changes. Uh, and so we were able to move very, very quickly, whereas other organizations, I think, had to, you know, who are managed in a more top-down fashion, it took more longer, it took longer rather for them to, to, to make the changes that needed to be made. So, but that all being said, um, you know, we've learned a lot about what virtual health works well for. I and several other leaders at the Cleveland Clinic are plugged into uh, digital health symposiums. So we're working with other tertiary care uh, centers, learning from them, they're learning from us about how we can move into kind of the next generation of, of virtual and digital health. Um, but as far as specific things that um, you know, that I think that we, we we did well, communicating with our providers, learning uh, where we needed to improve. For example, on the provider end of things, uh, we learned that workflows needed to change. Uh, taking care of patients on a computer or on a mobile device is a lot different than seeing a patient in person. So being able to respond very quickly to feedback and work together to optimize those workflows was was essential. And probably, and more importantly, we were listening to our patients. We spent a lot of time looking at surveys and sending out special surveys to understand where those sticking points are. And we don't have it perfect yet. I mean, we're seeking a, a totally frictionless experience for patients when they connect to us virtually. We're definitely not there. And I know patients are going to be listening to this, and I know they'll agree with that if they've had a virtual visit and had trouble with 
uh, you know, the call not connecting properly or any one of a number of issues that, that, that we've all run into. I can assure you that we spend every day uh, listening to your concerns, investigating specific incidences and looking for solutions, really bringing those together. And um, if I just may mention that uh, in early February, the next uh, three or four weeks, we're going to be rolling out a new video platform, which is really going to make connecting to us much, much easier. And one of the things I'd like to highlight about that is it gives you the opportunity on logging in to do a test visit. You'll be able to make sure your video and your sound are working, uh, that you have the appropriate access via broadband. Uh, so you'll know that once you've completed that check-in, that you'll be capable of connecting with your provider and they'll be able to hear you and you'll be able to hear them. So that's something we're very, very excited about. It's been long overdue. Oh, that's really exciting. I'm sure patients will be delighted to hear that. Um, you're right that it's it's very different for providers too um, and for the clinicians uh, seeing patients. It's really intense in a way. Uh, I think a lot of the electronic and virtual meetings we're on, you know, you're constantly present, right? There's no sitting back or none of the time that people normally relax in normal interactions. It can be quite intense. So how are you helping do that as you transition into other areas that haven't used virtual health so much? Uh, you were talking earlier about some of the telehealth advocates that you're developing teams of. How does that work to help um, deploy this technology across the organization? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And, and early on, we offered these very, very large group trainings where people could log in and, and learn about how to do a virtual visit, some of the key teaching points for what we call website manner. And actually, we've re just recently re released a study on, you know, optimal website manner, which is, you know, how we as providers need to present ourselves virtually in order to connect with our patients when we can't, uh, when we can't be direct face to face. What's interesting I'd like to mention, though, is that, you know, we've studied uh, patient perception of, you know, how we're caring for them virtually compared to in-person care. And the fact is we score extremely well at the Cleveland Clinic. In fact, you know, we have what's called an empathy score. And virtual visits early on, uh, we were scoring better than we were for in-person care, not significantly better. But I think it's a real testament to the fact that you know, we as Cleveland Clinic providers, we really recruit for people that really care about the whole person. They care about the patient. And that really does come across, I think, virtually more than than, than you might expect. Uh, but to answer your question, we are doing regular trainings. We're going to have a more structured program now for providers where they can check in and learn the most up-to-date exam techniques, learn about the new technology that's coming out. And then I think what you were alluding to is really, again, working to optimize their workflows. And I'm sure that you can attest to the fact that workflows in a surgical clinic where you operate are probably different or need to be different than they are in a medical clinic where, where I work in the Neurological Institute. So we're going to really personalize that to make sure that we're all able to work as efficiently and effectively as possible so that not only are patients having an ex excellent experience, but providers are as well. And the telehealth advocates, the representatives from all the institutes and from our regional hospitals will all be integral to, to iterating on that and, and making it making it perfect. Steve, the coordination and effort behind it is impressive. Thank you for all you're doing with that. And the digital health playbook that you and the team rolled out and it got such widespread uh, media and White House attention. What what other things are in that, or what are some of the highlights of that that people might be interested in that brought it so much attention? Well, uh, from the provider end of things, um, 
it was very confusing early on with the changes in the rules. Um, you know, early in the pandemic, or we'll start pre-pandemic, uh, the number of platforms that you could use to connect with a patient were very limited. But at the beginning of the public health emergency, uh, Health and Human Service broadened that to include what are called non-HIPAA compliant platforms. So we had to do a lot of education for patients and well, and for more for providers on uh, on how to use those platforms, you know, how to employ them. Um, the clinic early on really committed to a, a small number of platforms that we thought were most effective and efficient and really invested in developing teaching guides for the providers and for our patients and posting them online. Uh, we didn't uh, work to support all of those platforms, uh, but the, the, to answer your question, the, um, the guidebook, the, uh, the playbook rather, uh, really takes you through how to use platforms effectively, um, meaning like, for example, for patients that have iPhones, uh, it, uh, we were using FaceTime uh, for those patients that we didn't have on our regular American Well platform at the time. For patients that had uh, Android phones, we were committed to using Google Duo uh, originally. But as the public health emergency has evolved here, and as we've been able to develop a single platform, um, you know, we've used the playbook to help people understand how we're transitioning to uh, a single supported solution uh, to make sure they were aware how patients and providers can get help in real time uh, from the provider end to understand how to charge for these visits, because this is so new uh, to have insurance coverage for virtual care is a very new thing for us. So that was a huge effort in and of itself. And of course, how to document. And as I've mentioned, the, all the specifics about how to how to do a virtual exam, uh, you know, how to uh, you know make it a good experience for patients. All of that information was linked in our in our playbook, and it, we've really iterated on that as the public health, health emergency has unfolded, uh, in order to keep the most up to date information in there in one place uh, that all of our providers could find. Well, well Steve, I, I just want to thank you so much for such education in the space. I think it's great to be able to bring patients and listeners uh, information about virtual health. And so they help helps them understand how important it is for us. And I think also helps provide some clarity around how much it might change and what the opportunity is, because I think we can significantly improve how we provide health care. Well, thank, well, thanks for having me. And we're going to be really looking to highlight some of the most exciting uh, virtual health uh, uh, programs that we have in a way that patients will be able to find those online. So. Uh, we'll keep you up to date as we get those things posted so that people can see how we're using virtual health to really improve the quality of their lives. Thank you, Steve. Thank so you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, please feel free to visit myclevelandclinic.org to learn more about setting up your next virtual appointment uh, with the provider you're seeing at Cleveland Clinic. And please remember to join me for our next episode, uh, which is going to be Checkup. Uh, top five things to know about cervical cancer with Dr. Adria Suarez at Cleveland Clinic, Florida. And if you would like to submit questions or topics for future discussion, please send them to me at healthpulse at ccf.org.